This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And I am coming to you from the house. Yes, an actual house. Now, when I say the house, I mean the house that Amy and I bought back in, uh, or started buying, back in January 2001. Not the house we are currently living in, which is Dad's house or Dad's. So when I tell you this little little story that I'm going to tell you at the beginning here, I will refer to this house that I am in and recording this show uh, is the house. (laughs) And Dad's house is either going to be called Dad's or Dad's house. Okay? All right. Just so you can keep track. Um, Why am I recording from this house? Well... Uh, we I, there was a delay in getting to the comic book store this morning when I normally re- where I normally record the uh, the show there was a delay in my getting there and I decided well what I'll do is I'll just do my my day's work there and then afterward I'll come to the house and record here so okay uh, and oh and and I might as well insert the com- uh, the commercial for the comic book store which is called Nostalgia Zone it's in Minneapolis we sell back issues of comic books that go you know go way back but usually it's you know to golden age but mostly we well we have a lot of silver age and bronze age we all but you know we do have a fair amount of more recent stuff too uh, we've got superhero comic books and war comic books and mystery and suspense comic books and humor comic books all that kind of stuff uh, if you're into comic books and you're looking for those back issues to fill your collection go to nostalgiazone.com you can sign up for a membership you'll save 10 percent right away and you'll earn 10% of each of your purchase will turn into points that you can use later to save even more money on, on future purchases. Uh, so, you know, NostalgiaZone.com, become a member of our membership and, and, and buy a bunch of comic books so I can still have that job. That'll be cool, right? Okay, so there's the ad. Um, so, uh, let's see. We live in a service economy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to complain about some stuff here, which I know a friend of mine's going, well, yeah, it's Dimland Radio, or as he calls it, uh, as my friend calls it, uh, Jim complains about things. <laughs> so, and I, well, uh, you know, I am who I am. So uh, I'll try not to, you know, get too, in, you know, not, hopefully I won't be complaining the entire show. I don't want this to be that kind of thing. So I, th- I hope he's exaggerating. <clears throat> I think he is. Anyway, I am going to complain about this. 
uh, where we live in a service economy and, uh, you know, you get the kind of, the, you go to a, a fast food restaurant or you go to a, uh, you know, go to a convenience store or, or Walgreens or someplace like that. And so often you get, you're greeted by somebody behind the counter that's just like, they're just looking at you like, why in the hell are you ruining my life? Uh, or they're just so goddamn indifferent. Uh, can I help you? Uh, uh, I know I'm old, and I'm going to be curmudgeonly here, and I'm going to do that. Well, in my day, <laughs> when I but though when I did work at Wendy's, we were trained and told be pleasant, smile. You don't have to be effervescent, but at least don't make the person feel like they are unwanted, they're unwelcome. <laughs> you must get that feeling when you go into a place and say, hey. My coming in here and buying this stuff goes to help pay for your wages. What are you doing? You know, at the comic book store, I try to be as pleasant as I can be. It's a different kind of retail service kind of business. It is. It's different. It's uh, you know, it's very, it's very uh, uh, niche, and it's got. Yeah, it, you know, I'm a fan of comic books, and the people that come in obviously are fans of comic books. So we get in that kind of conversation, we can have that stuff going. So it's a little bit different. And I don't treat people like, you know, in the old store, of, uh, the, the old days of record stores, when you, you walk in and maybe you're not as hip as the record store employees and they give you that kind of meh, you know, that kind of attitude. If, you've, if, you, if, you, if you don't know what I mean, watch the movie uh, High Fidelity and, and Jack Black in the record store admonishing a father who's coming in to buy record, a record for his daughter. And it's, just, it's this whole thing. And uh, uh, but this, that's not musical snobbery thing, which I can identify with, because <laughs> I I am one. But anyway, I don't do that at the comic book store. But this this is something else. This is something bigger. And I know that plenty of people. I've heard the stories. Plenty of people get really upset with with internet providers, cable providers, these those services. I I hear the horror stories. So I'm sure. Well, here's one for you. Here's just another one for you. Uh, as you may be aware, if you will remember, uh, if you're uh, any kind of a long-time listener to the show, you will know that my wife and I decided to move in with my dad to help keep him in his house. He's older. He's not very healthy. We're doing what we can to keep him living in his house. We're going to sell our house. Uh, we've got a realtor now, and uh, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be out of here. Hopefully by the end of October. We'll be out of here and hopefully we'll have it sold before winter rolls in. That would be nice. So, anyway, uh, Dad does not have internet. And we, we knew that going in. So my wife called the company that we work with, which I'll say their name, Century Link. Right? I'll say their name. Now, I don't know how national they are or whatever. I don't know what their reach is if you've heard of them or not, but I'm not telling you not to go with them. I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to tell you what our experience is. You decide for yourself. CenturyLink. Anyway, they were the ones that, that provided our phone service and our internet service until we got rid of our landline. Then they're just internet. They provided that for us. We didn't, we were always happy with what was going on. We didn't feel like we were, you know, missing out. So, uh, you know, before we move into Dad's place, which we moved in on August 5th. We have been living in Dad's house since then. We have not been here to the house where I'm recording this show. 
we haven't been here overnight since August 5th. We've been here to do whatever work we need to do to get, get ready to sell it. But, uh, you know, we've, we have been effectively living at Dad's place and not here at the house. So before we moved into Dad's, my wife called CenturyLink and said, Hey, we're moving into a house that doesn't have internet. We would like to transfer our internet over to that house. Can we get that done? And they said, well, certainly we can. And they start clicking away. And they said, uh, how does uh, September 20th sound for coming out and hooking you up? September 20th? Wait a minute. That's, that's like a month and a half. That's like six weeks, give or take. Yeah, sorry, but that's as soon as we can get in there. And we thought, well, we've been with CenturyLink this long. You know, what the hell? Okay, so we survived at Dad's house uh, using our phones to access the Internet, using our cellular data. We used personal hotspots for a while until, you know, our plan uses up that, that personal hotspot. So I couldn't do a lot of entering of comic books at Dad's place. So I would come over here to the house where we still had Internet, and I would enter comic books there. Excuse me, I have to take a sip. <clears throat> One more sip. Mm -mm. That's some good Diet Dr. Pepper. Not Dr. Pepper Zero this time, it's diet. So I come over here to use the internet here to enter comic books online. I do about eight hours a week entering comic books from home into our website for Nostalgia Zone. Remember the ad I did? So, okay, that's we, we were that's how we were surviving, and we would watch DVDs, <laughs> we'd watch movies, or we'd watch Court TV. Uh, I'll get more into a particular program on Court TV uh, in a bit here, but uh, we, we would watch that. And, you know, it's not great. It isn't. Uh, but the shows that we did watch on there, there was this one show in particular. It's called I Survived. That's and and, that, and I guess it's an old show, and they just show that when they're not doing their following whatever big cases are going on currently. Uh, anyway, so as we were getting closer to the day, September twentieth, a couple days out, Amy got a message from CenturyLink confirming we were going to be seeing somebody. That day to come, you know, they were coming out to dads to hook us up to the internet. And they gave us a window. You know, I must say, it was a pretty narrow window. Uh, it was from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. It's just an eight-hour window. Of course, that meant that Amy had to stay home from work. Because I couldn't stay home from work because I'm the only one working in the office doing the customer service stuff that I do in the office because my other guy in the office has been on tour with his band for the last 15,000 years. At least that's how it feels. He's coming back midweek next week, and I'm really looking forward to it because it, it's, oh, goodness gracious. But anyway, so okay, you know, fine. Amy will take a day off of work. Day comes. I check in with her periodically throughout the day, and each time she tells me the same thing. I ask, have we got internet yet? Nope, nobody here. Four o'clock in the afternoon. I, anybody there yet? Nope. I said, is there someone you can call? She says, yes, there is. So she called, and she said, well, she was told uh, they'll try to have somebody here by 535, which if you do the math at home, 
uh, comes out to the to the answer that Amy didn't have to take the day of work off. She didn't have to do that. If they would have said 5.35, we would have left work early, gotten there, and been, been waiting for him. So I left work at uh, whatever my normal time that I'd leave. Uh, it was a little early, but still. Because like, we don't generally work until 5. I, it's a thing. Anyway, so uh, I got I was pulling into the alley, heading to Dad's house, and I looked at the dash uh, clock, and it said 5.36. By 5.38, I was walking in the door. I looked at my wife. I said, have we got internet? She said, nope. <laughs> I said, what? Okay, what now? She said, well, they said uh, they'll be here by 7 or they'll have to come out tomorrow. <laughs> Damn. Seriously? Yep. So I was pissed. And Amy was pissed. So great. So I'm steaming. I said, well, now i got to do some comic books because I haven't done any because I was anticipating having internet today. So i got to go over to the house, you know, to use the internet there. So I come over here, and we got no internet. You see, it's very easy for CenturyLink to make an appointment to send somebody out six weeks down the line to hook you up with internet, except they... It's not very easy for them to keep that appointment, and it's but it's even easier to turn off your internet, which is what they did. Right on time, they turned it off, so we got no internet here, and we got no internet at the house. Okay, so I pack everything back up. I go back home. I'm still steamed, but all right, fine. Next morning, we're figuring we might as well just stay at home again. Because who knows when they're going to show up today. And just before I was leaving, Amy thought, I said, you know what, I'm going to call and see if I can get, you know, if I if they have a time for me or when they're going to get here. And I said, okay, well, let me know. I said goodbye. I start, I head off to work. I did not get very far away before Amy called me. And she said, they're not coming out today. <sighs> Slowly I turn. <laughs> I go all the way back. I, I go back to the house. Luckily, I wasn't all that far away. She didn't say I went all the way, you know, it's... I wasn't that far away. So I go in and get her. We go into work. And as we're driving into work, she's explaining to me what happened on the phone. She talked to the customer service person, said nobody showed up yesterday in that eight-hour window after waiting six weeks. Now, I don't know if she went into those details. I would have. But yeah, I don't know if she did. She might have. And the person says, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, just so sorry. Well, let's see if we can get somebody out there. And Amy says, Will we have somebody here today? Oh, I'm sorry, but no. Um, but we can schedule you for tomorrow. Okay, fine. Let's schedule this for tomorrow. So, so they do that, and and Amy's uh, they're wrapping up their little conversation together, and Amy just happens to say, "So this will get taken care of tomorrow." And the person says, "We have well, we have you scheduled for tomorrow." <clears throat> she told me that, and I said. Fuck that. Let's find someone else. That's ridiculous. So, uh, Amy found somebody else. Uh, we go into work. I mean, she, she, when we got, she was checking on the phone as we were driving to work. She got to work. She finalized, you know, she found some, you know, what seemed like a good choice for us. And she asked me, if, you know, should we do it? And I said, yep. And she said, now we're, we're going to have to wait for a modem to come out. 
uh, Monday or Tuesday we'll get it. And that was the thing. They were just going to send us this modem thing, and we would hook it up. We didn't need to wait for somebody to come out to the house. So the next, so the next week comes. Uh, that Tuesday rolls along. Amy came into, we didn't have to take any more days off of work because it's going to come in the mail. It's going to be delivered. And, and, you know, and we get home Tuesday. Amy gets the package and she gets, starts working on it. I go walk the dog. I came back. We got internet. She didn't have, there was no hooking into the phone jack in the, in the wall. There was nothing that, it was just plug this thing into, you know, to the power outlet do a few, you know, computer things that you got to do, hook up signups and whatever, and boom, we got internet. So, <laughs> I have brewing in the back of my head a rather terse missive to send to CenturyLink and again, I'm not saying not to go with them or to quit them or anything like that. You make up your mind. Your mind. And I know that other places have their horror stories too. But I have a letter or an email uh, ready uh, in my mind to set. i got to get it all the words right and tell them, hey, you know, I'm out. You know, my wife is out eight hours worth of work and I'm out of eight hours worth of work because you guys couldn't get you know after six weeks of making us wait and an eight hour window on that day you couldn't get somebody out here to hook us up we both lost eight hours worth of work well we each lost eight hours worth of work i think that's the way to say it anyway so we'll see i'm sure nothing will come of it they may ask us oh we need you to return the modem and we'll say oh we can do that it'll take six weeks and on that day, just send your person out to the house and uh, just get them there at 9. And somewhere between 9 and 5 that afternoon, we'll be there. Oh, or maybe we won't. I made my first break. All right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I sh I'm going to tell you this. Uh, this. This 20 minutes or so that I just did, this is a re-record. <laughs> I screwed up. It's been, it's, anyway, I screwed up something and I went, ah, shoot, I got to do this over again because <laughs> the audio wasn't picked, wasn't set. Anyway, it's set now and hopefully I don't screw anything up going to this break. You've been listening or you are listening to Dimland Radio. It's not over yet. Uh, on the uh, ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, uh, Jim, uh, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I will return after this break. Station is not your cup of tea. Oh. Then drink coffee. 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 Drink coffee. 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. Thought you might say that. <laughs> another way from another point of view. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network.
Hey y'all, this is Tangina. You're gonna give me whiplash looking up there too. I've cleaned many houses, and I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dim's house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from him. And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on, did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in poltergeists, tiny fortune tellers? Or the beast? Well, holy sh! Why the didn't somebody tell me? Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. He'll be right back on ztalkradio.com. I still think this house is clean. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Well, I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. All right, come on, let's go. Ah, waiting here. It'll come back soon. <clears throat> there it is. There's the song. That's a bumper. Show's coming back. Oh, I'm going to be talking to you in a moment. Momentarily. I'm telling you. Coming up. Oh, geez. I didn't expect you guys to be back. Hang on a second. I got to take another sip. I know you're saying, why didn't I do that while I was taking the break? I did. But I have to do another one, so hold on. Mmm, mmm, that's some good diet, Dr. Pepper. Not a sponsor. Okay. Uh, as I uh, mentioned uh, briefly, that um, we, uh, my wife and I, were uh, whiling away the time waiting for our internet to show up. Uh, by in part uh, by watching. Uh, Court TV. Now, Court TV, from what I've seen of it, uh, the, I mean, my wife finds it more interesting than I do, but they have these shows where they have lawyers talking about the big cases of the day, and, uh, you know, and they get the, you know, footage from inside the courts, courtrooms, and stuff. I guess during the day, there will actually be live footage from inside courtrooms, and then in the evenings, they'll have like a roundtable discussion with, with lawyers and people, uh, uh, you know, related to the case or something. So, you know, they'll do stuff like that. And as I said, they're lawyers that host these shows. There's one guy named Vinny Politan or Politano or something like that, named Vinny. Uh, he's, he's, not, he's not great at TV. He's better than I probably would be, but he's he's not. He's, I mean, he's okay, and 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 a lot of them are okay at TV. They're probably much better lawyers than they are TV people, but um, you know. And again, they're probably all better than me than I would be on TV. I don't think I'd be very good. I, I mean, how good am I on this? So anyway, um, they when 
that stuff doesn't really do much for me, watching that. But when they don't have a case and they don't have one of those shows on, uh, they they will fill time space in, in, at night with like two or three in a row of a show called I Survived. And I Survived is, uh, it's it can fall under the true crime genre. It can fall under that, except not all of the stories that are told on the I Survived shows are about crimes. Uh, they, they usually have three stories for each hour-long episode. And it's told by the people who lived through whatever this harrowing event was. And some of them, I mean, some of them are just horrendous thing. Most of them are, actually, are just horrendous. How did anybody survive that? That kind of thing. Uh, there are, you know, car crashes or natural disasters, but there's also uh, attempted murder. You know, there's the people are attacked, and somehow they survive. And they're compelling stories. And some of these people are really messed up, both physically, emotionally, dealing with the aftermath of of this whatever the event was especially if it's a if it's a crime you know somebody tried to kill them and it, i mean there's some pretty nasty things but you know one guy had to do with that uh uh that uh, that uh, uh wilderness biker bicyclist who goes off who would go off into the you know i don't know places in utah or something in all well, the desert type places and go around riding his bike and he got trapped uh, in a in a crevasse or crevice or something, with a rock came down on him, pinned his arm, and he ended up having to cut off part of his arm in order to be able to get out of there and to be able to have any hope of a chance of surviving. Remember? Well, there was a story similar to that, where a guy got in. Uh, um, uh, I think it was he was a, he's a farmer and he's working with his one of these these combine machines and he got his arm caught in it and he's trapped and or uh, and he and he had to. I think that's what the story is. He had to cut part of his arm off. It's, 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 eek, yeah, eek. But when the survival instinct is strong enough, look, if I'm going to, if I'm going to live and I want to live, ugh. But anyway, like I said, some of the stories are pretty, pretty gruesome and they're, they're all harrowing tales, really. So it may not be a show for everybody. But there's something that they do every show that I don't like. And that's uh, at the end of the of each episode, they have the three or maybe four people that they've talked to on the show uh, you know that, that gave their stories. They wrap it up by saying, I survived because. And then they find something to slip into that because reason. I survived because I kept, I stayed calm. I kept, you know, I, I, I kept, uh, you know, kept from panicking and did what I had to do. You know, that, you know they'll say stuff like that. Uh, I survived because uh, my wife fought back when I was getting beaten, you know, beaten down or something. I survived because of that. You know, they'll say that, and, and that's kind of true. And sometimes they'll say, I survived because I just got lucky, you know, and and oh, which to me, being a pedant, would say, well, I wouldn't say you were very lucky because you got in the situation in the first place. But still, okay, I, I see what you're saying, right? So, 
People shouting outside. I hope it's okay. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you heard that, but I did. Anyway, so um, more often than uh, not, I would. I shouldn't say that. I should say at least half the time, at least half the time, the person says they survived because of God, because of their faith. God and their faith got them through. Now, maybe God and their faith, or at least their faith, God, nothing, but at least their faith in the invisible person in the sky, uh, at least their faith maybe kept them calm and got them through. So, okay, fine, I guess. But, it, you know, it irks me a little bit when they say that. Uh, and there's a reason why. I, I've, uh, uh, I've mentioned in the past... I, I use the Bill O'Reilly example. What's the Bill O'Reilly example, Jim? I'll tell you. Remember the miracle on the Hudson? I said I mentioned this on the show from time to time. The miracle on the Hudson that was that uh, commercial airliner where the flocks of geese, I think it was, uh, got trapped into the engines just after this thing was taking off, and 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 blew out both the engines. So the pilot had to make a water landing. And then, you know, so he snapped into action, got, did a water landing. The, the flight crew and the, the flight attendants and everybody, then they snapped into action and they got the, they got the passengers organized and the, the, the passengers snapped into action to help each other to get, off the, get out of the plane and onto the wings. And then the people that were on the shores or on the docks or in boats already, they snapped into action by getting into boats and ferries and coming over to that plane as it was as it was floating on the water and to get those people off of the wings. And not one person was killed. Maybe some injuries, minor injuries, but nobody, no, lo no lives were lost. And so Bill O'Reilly talking about it says, words to the effect... I don't. I, I'm pretty close to what he said. He said that all he knew was that somebody up there was watching after those folks, or watching out for those folks. And I hear that, and I say, when did that somebody up there start watching out for those folks? Because he wasn't watching out for those folks when those geese flew into the into the engines of the plane. When? Why didn't he stop it from happening? If he was watching out for those folks, he would have stopped it from happening. And then what about the plane crashes where everybody dies? He wasn't watching out for them, apparently. It's just people need to make sense of things. They need to think, you know, so I, there was something left for me to do in my life, and it's, I, I hate seeing that, hate hearing that. And it's just, no, you... You know, give yourself credit if you kept yourself calm and you figured out a way to get out of the situation. Give yourself credit. Don't don't credit this invisible guy. If he was really looking out for you, he would have kept you from having the problem. So the reason I'm bringing this up, other than that 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 irks me when I hear it, is that one of the shows, one of the I watched recently, one of the survivors got to that end part. And, I, and generally, like I said, I don't like that. I survived because it's just, I don't know. I guess, I, how else would you wrap up the show? I suppose it's just, uh, it just that's how they do it, and I guess it's okay. But I don't, it, it's just, just something feels uncomfortable for me about that. Um, anyway, they get to that segment, and one of the guys who had been telling their story about what happened, he says, and I wish I had the exact quote. 
I wish I had it, but because it was broadcast TV, I couldn't pause it and rewind, and, and you know, I couldn't. And I, I might be able to find it somewhere else, but I had no idea. I, I would have a hard time looking for it. I'd have to watch all the episodes on YouTube if they're on there or on um, some streaming service if they're on there, and if I have it, I'd have to go through every one of them to find the guy. Well, that's the guy, and it, yeah, I, I just I don't have that time. <laughs> so you're just going to have to go with the best of my memory of what he said, and I, I, I'm close. He said almost essentially what I was just talking about with the Bill O'Reilly thing. He says, I don't believe in God or I'm not religious. He said one of those two. And he has, you know, he has a problem with crediting a God for getting him out of a situation that that God didn't prevent him from getting into. And I said, hallelujah, brother. <laughs> Amen. Praise no one. I, I heard that and I said, yes, yes, he gets it. He understands. I thought I'd bring that up. <clears throat> Let's see, where am I at my time here? Holy shit, I gotta go for another break. I gotta cram a whole bunch of stuff into the end of this show. Ooh, I don't know if I can do it, but well, uh, let's uh, let's see what I can get in. All right, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'll be back after sweet dreams are made of this and some other stuff. identification you're listening to ztalk radio network operating frequency on ztalkradio.com oh lord honey can somebody tell me what my future holds hey man you think i can get a reading wrong answer it's time for dimland radio with your host dr dim jim fitzsimmons only on ztalk radio hi i'm amanda pete like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby. When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts. So we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked some tough questions. We decided the vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for your family. Thank you. A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Okay, now, don't talk. Where do we go from here? Now that all of the children are growing up. And how do we spend our lives if there's no one to lend us a hand? And welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I have a little more time than I thought I had. I'm looking at my little counter here, and it eh, looks like I got a little bit more time. So, okay. <clears throat> How shall I stack up the end of the show? Well, <clears throat> we had a big weekend last weekend. It was big. It's one of those big weekends. A big event kind of thing. My younger brother, Steve, 
got married. He married Leslie. She's now part of her family. She's been part of the family for quite a bit, you know, for, for I don't know, at least a year, if not more, when, we, when the family first met her, when she, you know, when Steve introduced us to her. And uh, so they got married last Saturday, 9-16, uh, September 16th, which it, coincidentally, I don't know if this is just how they had to do it because, uh, you know, of, of scheduling. That's the same day, September 16th, as my older brother's wedding anniversary. Except that was many years ago that they got married. They got married before. They, my, my older brother married his wife, my brother Bob, that's the older brother, married his wife Beth before Amy and I married each other. So, and we've been married to each other for oh, a long time. <laughs> it's coming up on 22 years. Yeah, very soon. We're like a month away. I, no, we're like weeks away, two weeks away. Whoa, astrologers, put your charts away. So anyway, I was Steve's best man. That was cool. That was an honor. It was, it was, uh, it was not a strictly regimented affair. It was, and but it wasn't. It wasn't just total loosey goosey either. Uh, the Friday before, I went up to the American Legion Hall where uh, where the ceremony took place and the reception, and uh, we. You know, uh, helped. I helped uh, put up some some lighting, and and then uh, we we did a run through of how we wanted things to go. And it was you know again it was kind of loose, but there was uh, one of the uh, one of the friends of the bride, and, and I guess for both of Steve and Leslie's, uh, she sort of took charge and said, okay, this is how we're going to do this, and, and you know how it's going to work, and we and we did the run through and and all that. And I mentioned, hey. You know, it is kind of a tradition that the groom escorts the the mother of the bride to her seat as thing, as people start getting seated. You know, as you know, just just as just before the rest of the people come in, the groom uh, you know takes you know gets the mother by her arm and takes her to a seat. I did that with with my mother-in-law. And I thought, you know, what do you think? And they said, oh, that's a good idea. So they worked it in, and we did that. Okay, it was, it was, uh, just, uh, it was just uh, the best man and the maid of honor up there on the stage. And then there was a, um, uh, you know, a couple of. Then there was uh, four girls, four younger girls, uh, um, you know, two on each side of us. They would come in just to represent, you know, like the thing, the, the the ring bearer, the the flower girl, you know, just something like that. You know, it's just, just that kind of thing. And <clears throat> yeah, so it, it it went it went really well. Uh, but there was one moment. Uh, well, before I get ahead of myself. While we were going through the rehearsal, this shows you how slow I am sometimes. Uh, my brother Steve kept saying that, well, Andy's going to be the efficient. I think that's the word. The person that's going to do the marrying. Uh, say the words. And uh, and so we're talking about, you know, he'll be here and he's going to do this and this is whatever. Okay, and Andy, with those, Andy, and, and it never connected to me that the Andy they were talking about is our brother-in-law who's married to my sister. It's that Andy. He went online and he got himself ordained, you know, to be able to do this kind of thing. It doesn't, you know, he says like five bucks and you just fill out a form and boom, you're ordained. <laughs> so you can perform weddings. So okay, uh, 
it's, it's the, I didn't find that it, that it put it together that it was Andy until the next day when Andy walked up with the with the script for the wedding and was saying, okay, when this happens and you're going to do this and you're going to hand this over and Jim, you're going to have the rings and you're going to do And I went, oh, you're the Andy. <laughs> I'm a little slow. Um, <clears throat> ceremony took place. I mean, we go in. Everybody gets takes their places. I'm standing directly behind my younger brother. Andy is beginning to, you know, welcome everybody to the thing and tell why we're here, you know, the, the stuff, the flowery speech stuff. And I hear a faint voice, or voices. I start hearing, it sounded like more than one voice, a little conversation happening, little voices. And, and, and they sound like, like, as if somebody, you know, would have a an earpiece in their ear and they're listening to maybe talk radio. And just as I'm putting that together, and I'm looking at my younger brother from behind, I see the back of his... I see he has an earpiece in his ear. He's got one earbud in his ear. And I'm just realizing, is that what I'm... When Steve reaches into his pocket takes out his phone and turns it off. <laughs> now, Andy said later, now everybody had a nice chuckle at that. They saw him do that. They had a nice chuckle. And Andy said it did occur to him to, to ask Steve, do you need to take that? <laughs> but Andy decided not to. Well, let's just keep going. And and I here I was thinking I, I you know beforehand I'm talking to my older brother I was uh, I said you know, I, I'm putting my phone on do not disturb but I'm also putting it on airplane mode there's no way that this is you know and my brother Bob said I'm doing that same thing there's no way that the phone my phone is going to interrupt this <clears throat> but the groom's phone <laughs> did. Uh, but it was, you know, it's 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 a nice little bit there. Um, we we did not wear tuxes, so it was kind of loose. But uh, uh, but uh, Leslie wore a wonderful wedding dress. She looked lovely, and she looked absolutely terrified. <laughs> she was, you know, but she she got through it like a trooper, uh, and everything was great. And and they're married. And it's about time. My younger brother is not that much younger than me. You know, it's about time he got married, and uh, and and she's you know welcome to the family. She's a terrific person. Um, I'll uh, I'll say this about her. I mean, right from the beginning, you, you know, you meet some people that are just just you, you just you just feel comfortable with, with uh, about uh, with them almost right away. They have a sense to them. They have a, uh, a you know a, a, an ease to them. She's got a good sense of humor. She's smart. She's you know she's she she can hold a conversation. She's not you know she's not demure or something like oh bashful or anything like. She's fine. She's right. And she's I knew that she was someone special because when my mom was in her last days and she was at uh, she was at home but she was on hospice and we were. Uh, uh, the family was over, and Leslie, you know, stepped right in to help mom, you know, with their bathroom needs. She just stepped right in. She didn't hesitate. She didn't, you know, she didn't act like it was anything unusual. Mom, do you need some help? And 
and she just, she just helped her. She made mom comfortable. She she did the things that would make her adult sons maybe a little squeamish. We'd do them if we had to. I mean, I've had there's a couple few, few things I've had to do with dad since since being moved in with him. But you know that's what that's what happens. So you know I knew she was special. Just so at ease was she with doing that, and so you know. Uh, she made mom comfortable, and I really appreciated that. So she's a good addition to the family. Steve found a good one, and and you know, welcome to the family, Leslie. Um, that's awesome. Uh, anyways, <laughs> it was it was nice. But part of the 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 flips. Well, we got to see lots of family, family we haven't seen in quite a while. Uh, my uncle Ralph, who is my dad's oldest brother or older brother, I should say, because it's Ralph, then my dad, then his younger brother, Ray, and the youngest, Wally. Wally died I know, 20 or 30 years ago. He's been, it's been a while. And uh, uh, so Uncle Ralph came over and stayed at Dad's for just about two weeks. <laughs> and he's great. He's a, he's, a, he's a lovely man. He's delightful. He's a bit of a historian, like a family historian. He's telling us these stories about, about their parents and about the grandparents and, and people related and, and the, the jobs that they've had and things that they've done and not, you know, that themselves. Just telling these stories, and he's great. He's a wonderful man. But I'm sure you'll understand that when you've had somebody come and visit for a while, as as delightful and wonderful as it is, you are happy to see them go home so that you can get back to some routine. Because it's not, you know, and that's that's what, you know. I wasn't uh, I wasn't saying yay he's gone. No, I was just like oh good. Well, you know, now we can get back to our routine, and because we like that, we we like having our routine, don't we? So he was great. It was just great to have him there. Uh, one of his daughters. My cousin Jeannie, she came up for a few days at the beginning. She was there for the wedding. She stayed in a hotel. She didn't stay in the house with us. But she came over and she would take the guys out and she'd you know, organize some, some, some stuff. And, and it was great to see her. Other cousins, I've mentioned one of these cousins as being a trumper. He was, he was terrific. Uh, maybe a little overserved, but he was fine. <laughs> uh, but he, you know, there was nothing. We didn't talk about our differences politically. We didn't mention. We just we just talked about family and we talked about, you know, reminisced on things, and that was great. That was great. Another cousin, uh, his younger brother. This is the one cousin that I'm just talking about. His younger brother. Uh, he wasn't able to attend the wedding because his granddaughter was doing something up in the area. Uh, he lives in in Iowa, so he came up. He said, "I'm coming up Saturday morning. I'd like to bring breakfast for everybody." And so he brought a whole big old breakfast to the house, much more than we needed because he wasn't sure how many people were going to be there. But there was about half a dozen of us uh, for that breakfast. And he comes up, and <clears throat> somehow. It wasn't brought up by me. The, the conversation turned toward global warming. And he doesn't believe he's happening. He's, he's behind the curve uh, of the global warming denialists. He's behind the curve. Uh, it was for a long, long time the denialists who just deny that it's happening. It's not happening. It's just normal fluctuations. It's not happening. And then they kind of adjust their views as more and more facts and evidence comes forward that you can't really, if you can't refute, you, you can try to ignore it, but it, these are facts. This is what's happening. 
as more and more of that started be happening and becoming more evident that yes, global warming is happening, uh, they would start saying, well, it's happening, but it's not gonna be a big deal and it's not our fault. And now it's, you know, it's happening. Uh, but there's nothing we can do about it and it's still not our fault. You know, that's, that's, that's where they are now. I mean, there are some like, you know, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who doesn't, who thinks it's a big hoax. She's still in that, she's still in the early stage denier. Uh, but, uh, you know, she's, she's still behind the curve there, too. Uh, but anyway, so my cousin starts talking about global warming. It comes up, and somebody made a joke about because winter's coming, and, you know. And he says, you know, well, it's not happening. It's like, you know, it's just the normal fluctuations. Things happen. You get warm years, you get cold years. It goes up, it goes down. It's, you, know, you know what they do? The climate people, these, 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 you know, their work. What they do is they just look at little periods of time and they see it going up and they think, oh, it's all going up. And I'm sitting next to him looking like, holy shit. I know this guy's got to be a Trumper too. <laughs> I didn't bring it up. Because he's, he's, do, he's doing, he's, he's projecting. Because that's what the denialists do. That's what they do. They take a little time period from like, I think like sometime in the mid 90s to the early 2000s or whatever, there was a little stretch where things, if you just look at the temperatures, global temperatures there, it looks like they're going down because they did for a little bit, but that's all part of a larger increase of temperature that's been going on. And it's, and, and it's, and it's, and we can see when it started, we can, see, we know what's going on. We know what's up in the atmosphere. We know what is keeping the, the, uh, the infrared rays from bouncing back out into the atmosphere. We can tell what's in, what's causing more of a, a the, the blanket effect, you know, that, that global warming, the, the uh, 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 greenhouse effect is the, we can see the chemical makeup of the atmosphere and the stuff that's being added to there is coming from carbon and it's and we can see what kind of carbon is and that's fossil fuels that are being burned we can see it there it is that's it's fact it's just that's that's what's in the atmosphere that's what's happening and i you know and i sat there and i didn't you'll be proud of me i i well maybe i should push back a little bit i don't know you you choose your moments i i just thought you know what i i, I can't i'm sorry i'm not gonna get it but I, my sarcastic self was sitting in the back of my brain saying, <sighs> you know, you're right. I mean, because I'm sure that you, all your years of training in, climate, in the climate sciences and the extensive experience you've had since you've gotten your training have, have gotten you a leg up on all the other climate scientists throughout the world so that you know better than they do you know what I should do? I should contact the climate scientists and say, hey, you know what you guys ought to do? You ought to look at stuff like tree rings and look at strata uh, in soil and see if you can see what kind of chemicals are in the air or what was going on and see if you can infer from that. Oh, you know what would be a good idea? To, to go to places like, I don't know, Antarctica that has lots of ice, glaciers that have been there forever. Not exactly forever, but been there for a long ass time. You should you should drill down in there somehow so that you can pull out a, 
uh, uh, ice cores. We'll call them that. You can pull out ice cores and you can look from the, the deepest bit of the ice core to the closest to the surface bit of the ice core and you can see what kind of atmosphere stuff was going on, what kind of chemicals are there. You can see and maybe figure out what's going on with the climate that was happening, oh, I don't know, 800,000 years ago because that's how far back the ice core samples can go and have gone from Antarctica. 800,000 years. That's what they do. That's what climate scientists do. They study the deeper picture. They look at all sorts of lines of evidence to say, this is what's happening and this is why. And this is what we need to do to try to stop it from getting worse. But we got people like my cousin, who's an expert in climate, apparently, because he must have watched a couple YouTube videos or something. And he could say the same thing to me. I mean, I'm not an expert on climate, but I'm listening to the people who are experts on climate. The people who work in it every day. The people who, who put out the reports and show the evidence. This is what's happening. You can't pick your family. <laughs> he's, a, he's a terrific guy. You know, and he, he recognized me right away because he's well, you're the tall one. I found out from the other cousin, the, the, the other, you know, the one that, you know, the other cousin, his older brother, that uh, I thought it was uh, uh, the older brother and the, the younger brother that were, and myself, that were the tall ones in the Fitzsimmons family. But it turns out it's the older brother and the, uh, the first, uh, the oldest son of uh, Uncle Ralph, uh, he's a tall one, and I'm a tall one. Uh, the the two cousins are about six two, and I'm just about just a hair over six foot. So we're the tall ones in the family. Everybody else is below six foot. Everybody else, there's an end. So, you know, I'm one of the tall ones. I don't know how it happened. It just did. So I found that out. So it, it was lovely and wonderful, and there was a really really cool thing that happened. Now the wedding, super cool. And this was also super cool. Uh, let's see, where am I at? How much time am I going? I gotta look at time. How much time? I'm waiting for the timer to come up. It does this. Okay, I got time. Okay, a couple of years back, uh, one of the local newspapers, uh, uh, the the Pioneer Press, uh, which we you know figure is the St. Paul paper. Then there's the Star Tribune, which is the Minneapolis paper. But you know, the, the Star Tribune doesn't want to be thought of as the Minneapolis paper. They want to be the Minnesota paper. And the, the, the Pioneer Press is, has no problem calling itself the St. Paul Pioneer Press. So anyway, uh, a couple years ago, in one of their Sunday editions, they had that the little supplement that in there, just a little you know interesting section that they put in there. Uh, and, and what it was, was a collection of photographs that have been uh, taken by you know, f photographers that worked for the Pioneer Press and have been, been featured in the Pioneer Press over so many decades, years, whatever it's been, how many it's been. And there was one picture in there. My dad, I came over to visit, and dad you know, shows this to me, and he, he shows me this picture, and he says, take a look at that. And I, and, and I see the picture. The picture is of a bunch of uh, second graders getting out of school for the end of this school year. They're getting out, they're running and jumping and they're all excited. And it's a whole group of them. And it's from June, I think, of 1942. 
And Dad points to see the, you know he points to the guy in the middle of the of the of the of the crowd, the kid in the middle there. That's my uncle Ralph. Is that your uncle Ralph? I'm like really? Oh, that's cool. And I look at it. Yep, yeah, that I can see it. That's him. And he's wearing these overalls, and he's got the he's got a big note pinned to the top of his of his overalls. I mean, they used to do that back in the day. They would send notes home to the parents, and they pin it to the kids' clothes so that the kids wouldn't lose the note. Right? And so he's got that in there. And ever since I saw that picture, I have wanted to get a picture with my Uncle Ralph today holding that picture just to show, you know, here he is. That's, that's, see, look, that's cool. And I, I know someone uh, that write, that's a reporter for the Pioneer Press. I figure I could send it to her. There's also that bulletin board thing. I don't know if I, if I have time to explain it. Well, I'll give it quick. It used to be a part of the Pioneer Press paper. There was a page in there, the bulletin board, which was open to the public to call in, tell stories, uh, make observations, keep it, you know, not political, just like a conversation over a back fence with neighbors, that kind of thing. And I would call in with my complaints about television commercials and other things. I was a very regular caller there for quite a while. Uh, it, that feature is no longer in the Pioneer Press paper, but it is online. Uh, go to bbonward, I think, .com, and you'll find it. I'll try to remember to put a link into the show notes so you can go check it out. You, too, can send it. You don't have to just be from the Twin Cities. You can be from anywhere. If you have your read through there and if something strikes you to respond to it, do it. It's kind of cool. I mean, it was a bit like Facebook before Facebook existed because people would tell a story and then other people would call in or call in or write in or fax in or whatever, however to send the message to the bulletin board to tell their stories related to that story or to comment. That's, it's kind of was, kind of was like Facebook before Facebook. So I could, I'm going to send it to them. So, uh, I, you know, I, or I could send the, that picture to them if I could get the picture made. Well, here I've got my cousin, Jeannie, who lives with, I think she lives with Uncle Ralph, helps to take care of him, uh, although he does pretty well on his own. They're coming up, and I, it's just a, like a day before they're to leave, and says, I know this is last minute, but if you can find that picture, because I knew, I think my dad sent the thing out to, to Uncle Ralph. If you can find that, you know, it, it'd be great if you could bring it, I want to get the picture with Uncle Ralph in there. She said, I'll see, I'll see what I can do. She found it. She actually made some copies of it. She brought it out. And she had the brilliant idea. I hadn't even thought of this. She said, we should go to the school and have Uncle Ralph stand in the spot where that, where that picture was taken. Uh, what? Uh, how many years ago? <laughs> uh, 80-something years ago. And I, that's, that's brilliant. So uh, the the day after the wedding, on that Sunday, uh, some of us, you know, we, you know, my dad, my uncle Ralph, uh, my sister joined us. Amy was a little out of it, so she stayed home. Uh, and Jeannie, uh, my cousin, uh, we all got together and we we went to the school, and which I didn't even know was still there, but they said, no, it's still there. It's oh cool. So we took the picture of my uncle Ralph standing there, and then I took a picture of him holding. The picture, a close-up picture of him holding it in front of the school. I'm telling you, 
That was such a cool thing. I'll put it on the show notes page. Go to dimland.com. Click on the show notes blog option. You'll find it. It's really cool. Uh, so yeah, it's just it was so it came together. I wish I'd, I I'm glad my cousin thought of it. I'm glad she thought of doing that because I was just going to have him sit in the kitchen and hold it. <laughs> That's what I was going to have. But wow, what a stroke of genius! It was great. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, that means uh, I've gotten to the end of a show. It, I'm sorry about the erraticness of uh, when I do a show and when I don't. It's it's still a bit of a bumpy ride coming up yet because of selling a house and things. That, that, you know, our anniversary, my high school reunion, all that kind of stuff. So we'll do what we can. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, remember to sleep with the lights off. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for, for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Well, well I'm, I'm going, going to hell. hell.